Welcome to the Image Method Podcast. Today we are discussing the movie Jaws. This is an enhanced podcast, meaning that images pertaining to what we discuss appear as album artwork in iTunes, and they can also be seen by playing the downloaded file in QuickTime. QuickTime is a free download, as is iTunes. You do not need an iPod to fully experience this show. Images are also available on our website, which is imagemethod.blogspot.com. All the show notes and links are there as well, and that address again is imagemethod.blogspot.com. I wanted to look at the movie Jaws because I was wondering how Steven Spielberg created suspense in a day exterior situation, and that turned out to be not as interesting as I'd hoped, and except to say that what I realized is suspense is not a function of light or dark, in other words, nighttime or daytime scenes, as is the case with a lot of horror genre suspenseful films, but rather suspense is really a function of visibility and invisibility, in other words, what the audience and characters can see and what they can't see. In the case of Jaws, the characters can't really see the shark because of the ocean. So basically, Jaws is suspenseful because of the ocean instead of the dark nighttime. So that was uh, interesting, but not such a massive revelation. But something that was very interesting to me was just how fundamental Jaws is. It's a masterpiece of classic blocking. and. Why blocking matters is that it determines everything else. Where the lights go, what parts of the set get built or seen. Like These are the big production questions. These are the questions that cost a lot of money or cost a lot of time. Um, so working efficiently is a very important part to making any schedule. It was interesting to me to watch JAWS because JAWS uses the most fundamental, basic, and efficient blocking there is. Now, at this point I should probably define blocking. Blocking is the arrangement of the camera and the actors on the set, where things are so that the right composition can be created. Arranging the actors and camera is directly related to how things are arranged in the frame, which is also known as composition. Now, this is not really a big secret, but I always think it's interesting when you see exciting, emotionally engaging film direction done with a very fundamental blocking. Nothing fancy. And, of course, there are many great movies that employ this, and it's not new or innovative in any other way. And that's why it's important. It's basic. It's fundamental. Anybody doing complex things well knows how the basics work and why. So um, when we're shooting things along the lens axis, it becomes a very efficient way to um, get things done. And I should remind the audience now that uh, all of our images can be seen at imagemethod.blogspot.com or they are album artwork in iTunes. But imagemethod.blogspot.com is really the best way to sort of follow along with everything that I'm talking about if um, you want to follow up on anything. All the show notes are there and all the links are there. Anyway, getting back to working the lens axis or blocking in depth as some people call it, um, Jaws does this throughout the film and the actors are usually moving around in this field of view. The camera doesn't really do a lot of panning left to right. 
all the camera moves are motivated by the actors and um, a good example of blocking in depth is this image of Chief Brody played by Roy Scheider in the foreground and what you see in the background to his left is uh, his wife and his kid and you also see the door that plays in the scene as well so all these elements are arranged along the lens axis in depth to the camera so that the camera can get all these points in the room all these places in the room all these marks with focus and doesn't really have to get extra coverage so that, that is what I mean by in a very efficient way of uh, working why this is good is that it allows the audience just to forget about it the camera work doesn't make a spectacle of itself the audience can just get into the story and the performance of the story a film story is comprised of emotions played by actors and the actors are trying to get the audience involved in these emotions and the audience wants to get involved so one school of thought would have it that the photography shouldn't get in the way of this emotional involvement and the photography should just deliver the stuff in front of the camera without being noticed by itself. This may sound a little old-fashioned and that's because it is and some people might find it kinda square but it's not really square. Keeping it simple in the camera department means that more important stuff can be attended to by the filmmakers and by the audience too in terms of how they want to spend their attention. Um, there's something about being transparent and just letting the audience get directly involved with what the actors are doing. So um, I know a lot of fancy cam work is very in vogue and some people think that uh, um, for non-narrative productions a fancier um, more self-conscious camera style is completely appropriate commercials music videos or what have you but when you're really telling a story and you want the story to be front and center the camera work should be transparent and just be a tool and it's not that that's uncreative at all because the work of the cinematographer can then get involved in how to play the story in such a way that things are big enough or noticeable enough or subtle enough or um, alluded to enough with the photography and without the photography calling attention to itself. So simple as that. Anyway, let's look at some of the scenes from Jaws and the first scene I wanna talk about is this long master shot on the dunes where the Hooper character and the Brody character are talking to the mayor trying to convince him to um, do the necessary steps to find and kill the shark. So what this scene is is a lot of exposition, a lot of uh, two and a half pages of information the audience needs to know and they cover it very efficiently and not in any boring way at all. Um, let's look at how they do it. In this long master shot the camera never really pans it dollies from side to side and it zooms and it changes height but it doesn't pan and what that means is 
the background basically stays the same. The exposure of the sky is basically the same throughout the scene because the camera is pointed in the same direction throughout the whole scene. Also, the angle of the lighting doesn't change. It's always kind of coming from that wonderful day exterior backlight. Um, and everybody looks good to the whole time and uh, if they did do coverage everything would match because they're shooting the shadow side of the face so that's all uh, lovely um, the entire scene is played in medium three shots but it doesn't get boring because the actors are moving around in the frame and what determines where the actors move and when and um, they move uh, is basically who's got what lines and to whom are they speaking what needs to be seen more what's more important what does the audience need to see the speaker or the reaction of the listener and in this case this film and this this scene in Jaws the dialogue is informative but the crux of the scene ultimately is in the reaction of the mayor character who is essentially unmoved by the arguments presented by Brody and Hooper. So this scene has a variety of different things going on over the three minutes of screen time because the actors are moving around in the shot and different things are being introduced into the shot by dollying the camera which essentially faces the same direction. In other words, they dolly the camera to the right, but the camera doesn't pan, so it's always facing the same direction. And in this pan right, or in this dolly right, rather, a new element is brought into the frame, which is the vandalized billboard that the mayor then talks about. One of the things that I think that are, is interesting to note is that nothing clearly determines to the audience where and when the actors stand and where they walk to um, and what they do so the timings of these changes are unquestioned by the audience in other words what creates the variety over the long take is that things are constantly changing and the shot is constantly evolving and it's not evolving through after effects or through fancy camera moves but a combination of how the actors move and how the camera moves and simple things in both those departments come together to form a kind of a complex presentation um, and efficient way to get the film done there's another scene that is not a one-er. It is a uh, shot with traditional coverage, um, and this is an interior, so it's lighted. And I want to talk about that scene because it's a little bit different, but the same efficiency-minded techniques are employed. So in the scene where there's the town meeting, um, there's essentially two main lighting setups, the view looking toward the door, where the door is upstage and then there's a the reverse angle of that where we are looking toward the mayor. There are some bit players in the scene and they have some lines and all of the lines are essentially arranged so that anybody with a line with any kind of importance at all is arranged within the shot along the lens axis. Um, these raking shots of the characters in the front row that leads right to Brody is an example and then when Brody has to speak he moves to a spot in the room where he can still be seen in the master shot looking toward the door and he, he can also be seen in the raking shot which is another setup we've seen before so um, 
essentially what's going on is that the actors are positioned efficiently so that the shots can be made without a lot of unnecessary faffing about. Actors can easily move to where they have to be. Um, the raking shot of the board is the same setup as for um, looking at Brody. And then when the Quint character is revealed, he is revealed with um, the crowd parting to um, place him upstage, but essentially in the master shot where he, where we are still facing the door. And then the camera, without much panning, dollies into him and um, becomes this uh, medium shot that we see. And then when Quint stands up and does his dramatic screw you guys, I don't need any of you style exit, um, we see the door uh, as an upstage element where he can just turn and walk toward it and um, leaves the scene. Um, essentially in this scene we have the main angle looking toward the door and then we have the reverse angle looking toward the window and you can see all the people who have lines are arranged in a very efficient way and then all the coverage is just a subsection of this main wide angle that we see here. So there's only two main lighting setups and um, not a lot of camera movement but the action still plays and they get a lot of exposition done um, in a very efficient manner. Uh, it's also interesting to note that the entrance is upstage which is a very useful thing because uh, well for a lot of reasons I won't go into now but anyway there are a lot of other scenes that do this in the movie Jaws and there's lots of other scenes that do this kind of blocking in depth and efficient way of arranging and blocking um, in them um, but those are two scenes I encourage you I I won't take the time to get into any of the others in this episode but I will include some stills from the scene wherein Hooper introduces himself to Brody um, and I'll also include some images from the boat where uh, you can see how they're stacking things up uh, uh, the boat. These, these are excellent examples of blocking in depth because the actors are simply switching places and turning out to the camera or turning toward each other who give the lines. So they're just essentially doing a lot of trading places. And this is interesting to note at this point, um, but uh, the boat is actually an excellent example of a set that gives the actors lots of options as far as places to go and business to do. The best sets always have options for camera and lighting and options for actors, so a variety of places to go and lots of different things to do, so little shapes, I guess we're talking about shapes of a set. Um, although a boat may appear to have a limited potential, this one obviously, because of the various places that the actors can go and uh, do things with their props, the boat is also a very interesting shape. and Speaking of shape, the shape of the boat evolves throughout the film as it crumbles and ends up floating as pieces of wood in the water by the end of the film. If you haven't seen Jaws in a while, check it out again. It's a masterpiece. And it's also got very rich and meaty hard lighting and adorable costumes and hairstyles as well. 
Before I end the show, I have a totally well-known trade secret to share, which, as usual, is something relatively obvious but very much worth knowing. And this little tip is something that could be applied to things outside production as well. A sound person I thought was acting strangely once turned me on to the idea of leaving one's car keys in the refrigerator so that there would be no way one would not remember to turn on the refrigerator before leaving the location. Fridges are often shut off to reduce the humming sound in a location, but if it's not turned on again when the production leaves, that's bad. So if you need to remember something, leave your car keys in it and you won't forget. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Before we go, I want to tell you about another podcast you might be interested in, and that's the podcast by American Cinematographer Magazine. Their first show was an interview with DP Alex Sakharov, and it was quite good. I will have a link to that show in the show notes. Go check it out. There's a couple of other film podcasts I thought you might be interested in. I certainly like them, and I encourage you to check them out. And um, They are fat-free film and watching the directors. Very good shows. I encourage you to uh, give them a listen. I think watching the directors actually did a show on Spielberg before, but uh, I'm not really sure. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I'm easily confused. So... You can get in touch with us by emailing at imagemethod.gmail.com and our website is imagemethod.blogspot.com. Thanks for all the emails and positive feedback we've been getting. Keep them coming, please. And a big welcome to our new Canadian members of the audience. Hello, Nova Scotia and Manitoba. And salam alaikum to our listeners in Egypt. Glad you could join. If you like the show, tell your friends and subscribe via iTunes. I think it's the easiest way. Send your comments and suggestions to imagemethod at gmail.com. All the show notes and links can be found at imagemethod.blogspot.com. Thanks for listening. I'm T.W. Lee. You're awesome, and so long. Yeah.